Welcome to Bros Before CEOs, the podcast that believes you can love your job more by increasing your career capital, which are just rare and valuable skills that people will pay you money for. Join me this week for a very unique episode as we talk all things leadership. We're going to talk about some of the struggles that I've currently been going through and some of the successes I've found as I've taken over a new company. So join us for all of this and more in five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. It's the Bros Before CEOs podcast. Bro, I'm not your bro, bro. If for 10 years, if you didn't avoid doing what you knew you needed to do. I think people can choose to be not ordinary. You're not everything you could be, and you know it. Bro, take it easy, okay? All right, well, this is a pretty unique episode, and the reason it's unique is because I have no co-host. So this is the first time I've actually ever recorded a podcast by myself. And I'll be honest with you guys, I don't know uh, what to do. Because typically, I like to have conversations. That's one of my favorite things about this podcast, being able to pass things off and um, just exchange ideas with my friend, Tim. Um, But my wife went and got COVID this weekend, so our house is under quarantine, and Timothy is traveling for his first big family vacation to St. Lucia in about a week, and so he has to pass a COVID test in order to get in the country and uh, it wasn't worth the risk of him coming over to the studio. And so he'll actually be out probably for the next few episodes, but hopefully by next week, my house will be safe, and I'll be able to have some new special guests that I'm uh, working on lining up. So really excited about that. But for those of you who have been listening for any amount of time, know uh, on the show we have a planner, and we have someone who likes to wing it, and Tim is more of the planner. And so when he put everything in my, all the eggs in my basket to record a podcast episode, Uh, I haven't planned much of this out, but I've been doing so much at work lately um, with taking over a new company and really testing my leadership chops and seeing all the holes that I have and all of the weaknesses I have, as well as some of my strengths. I thought it would be a great idea for me to just take some time, turn on the recording and talk through uh, some of the things that I've learned over the past couple of weeks uh, with taking over a company. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I currently run a company called 97 Display, uh, which is awesome, and I've been doing that for a while. But just recently, I was given the opportunity to bring another company into that fold called Critical Impact. Uh, They do email marketing, uh, really solid team based in Washington, D.C., although we're going to be working on relocating the office here in Winston over the next year or so. Um, But it's been really fun. I'm doing that with my COO, Christy. Um, who helps me with 97 Display as well. And we we have this whole model. Uh, we're following EOS. So if you've listened to podcast episodes, you know I'm a big fan of EOS. Uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it, is my saying. And so as we've taken over this team, it's been a lot of challenges, um, but a lot of quick wins. And frankly, a lot of the quick wins can be credited to uh, just really sticking with EOS and believing in what it does and how it helps companies. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about Uh, that I've really been wrestling with. And I think this is actually going to be an interesting exercise for me because I'm a verbal processor. And so I love talking out loud to process things. In fact, I love writing on whiteboards. I love having people in the room. Um, I'll be honest, this is a little bit of a weird experience doing this in an empty house and an empty room uh, with no one sitting across from me. But uh, here we are and this is what we have to work with. And so we're going to talk through it. So one of the things uh, as we're taking over uh, this company, 
you know, my strength in one of the seats, the seat that I sit in, in EOS is called the visionary. So in EOS, there's two main roles um, to run a company. One is the visionary, one is the integrator. And so the visionary's role, one of the best ways I like to describe it is if you imagine you have a group of people that are trekking through the jungle, the visionary's goal is to climb up to the top of the canopy of the jungle and look and see where you're going miles and miles ahead and relay that information to the rest of the people. Where the integrator, their role is to kind of run the day-to-day operation and say, okay, cool, to get to that vision of that far-off place that we want to go, here's where we need to go for the next 100 yards. So you do this and you do this. And so stepping into a new company, um, it's been really great. And it's also been challenging because it is all virtual. Uh, All the employees are virtual. And so uh, that's a new skill for me. And maybe one day, Tim could lead an episode on how to lead virtually because that's definitely a rare and valuable skill that is becoming more and more needed in the world, especially with more and more jobs going virtual only. And it is a new skill for me because I am not a fan of virtual. Um, and most of that is because I'm just not as good virtual as I am in person. And uh, that has been made very apparent with my first work from home day in forever as I am not allowed out of the house around people because of COVID. Um, even though I don't have COVID, but my wife has COVID and that still counts. Um, but with taking over the company, one of the things that I want to do is uh, flex my leadership muscle, which is being able to cast a good vision. And so instinctively, that's where I like to go is to get in front of people and cast a vision of where we're going. And one of the things that was interesting is when I took over this company, one, it's like drinking through a fire hose. There's a million things to learn, just like there is with any new job that you take on. Uh, one big difference is as I feel like I'm spending a couple weeks of Uh, drinking from my fire hose. I'm also looked at to make some fairly high level decisions for the company because the company has to continue running and has to continue um, decisions have to be continually made. And there is no like, you know, uh, time for me to spend several months getting comfortable with the role and getting comfortable with the product before we start making some fairly, you know, impactful decisions for people. So there's this John Maxwell quote Um, That stuck with me for a long time and it's really tested me over the past few weeks. And that's kind of what I wanted to uh, like create this episode around. And that is that people buy into the leader first and then the vision. And so, you know, when I when I've been thinking about that and I've been taking some time to process that uh, one, it's not as fun. Like, honestly, it would be easier if people bought into the vision first and then the leader kind of crept along. But the truth is there are plenty good visions out there. And one of the reasons why those visions don't come to fruition or they don't uh, get as many people behind the vision, I think, as they could is because a lot of people tend to want to skip that first part of people buy into the leader first. And so over the last week or two weeks, I've really been reflecting on what does it mean to get someone to buy into the leader first? And so, you know, this would be where I would ask a question to to someone on the podcast if they were here, but they are not. So I'll ask it to myself. Like, like instinctively, what do you want to answer when you say, what does it take for someone to buy into a leader? So really what you're asking is, what does it take for someone to buy into you as a person? And so the first things and the easy things, uh, if you have a track record, is obviously your track record. So if you've done a good job before or you've done a good job within the company or you've done a good job at similar companies Um, that's, you know, that's an easy, like first way to get some initial buy-in is to say like, Hey, I'm not a complete rookie. Um, I've done this before. Here's my track record and I've had success because we've talked about on the podcast before people love to get behind momentum. People love to be on a winning team. Uh, that's why I'm a bandwagon fan. I love teams that are winning and I'm not 
uh, a fan of sports near enough to be a fan of a team that stinks. And so uh, I'm from South Carolina. College football is huge. I'm a Gamecock fan, but I don't watch the Gamecocks unless they're good. So I haven't watched the Gamecocks in about seven years. But all that to say, people love getting behind people that have momentum behind them, people that have some wins behind them. And and so that's good. So that's the first thing, right, is, okay, you have a strong track record, but is having a strong track record enough? And so this is something that I've been wrestling with uh, with this new company, as well as my current company, 97 Display, is how do I get people to buy into me as a leader more so that it's easy for them to buy into the vision? Uh, because I think a lot of times... Like I said earlier, we want to go the other way around. We have a really good idea, a really strong vision. You get people to buy into that, and then you kind of like scoot in under under the under the weight of the vision. If the vision is big enough, people will buy into it. And because you came up with this vision, then it's like, oh, well, now people will buy into you like intrinsically, and it's a little easier. But what I'm finding over and over and over again is that's just not the case. And so, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is. And I've really been trying to process it, so uh, we'll see if this podcast is any good or not, but we're going to process it together because I don't think that I have this clearly laid out even in my mind to be able to articulate, and so we'll just kind of process this together. But I was at dinner with someone last week, and we were kind of talking through this. Uh, we were talking through some ideas that I had about uh, some things that I was learning um, from being in leadership and some things that I wanted to work on, and and we kind of got it around to this idea of like the integrated life. So talking about, you know, business and how important business is to your life. Obviously, for anyone that knows me or has known me or will know me for any amount of time knows that business is very, very important to me as a person. I believe it is one of the reasons that I'm on this earth is to um, build great businesses alongside great people and have an impact on people through business. Uh, certainly, that's not the case for everyone. And I wouldn't advocate that it's the case for everyone, obviously. But for me, uh, that's something that I just feel is really near and dear to me. And so what that does is that puts a lot of pressure on me, a lot of uh, of uh, self-created pressure to put a lot of myself into my work. Uh, I feel like that's where I get a lot of my sense of um, purpose. Uh, maybe it's not where I get my sense of purpose. That's not the way of saying it. But my purpose is lived out through like being a good leader in the workplace. But anyway, back to this dinner, we were kind of talking about that. And we were talking about how it's much bigger than just how you show up as a leader at work, or maybe even not leader at work, maybe you just say worker at work. Uh, because some people excel at their jobs and are great at their jobs and are you know head and shoulders above anyone else in their role. And it has nothing to do with leadership, right? Uh, there was a, a story that we talked about at dinner about... Um, I don't really remember it, but it was about a mailman who had this like root and he was just like, you know, the crowd favorite and everyone loved him. And it was just kind of like he found purpose in his job. He loved his job and he was just so much better than all the other mailmen out there. And he really wasn't in leadership and he wasn't running the company, but he found a deeper sense of purpose that allowed people to buy into him in his role. And that role doesn't have to be uh, running a company. So if you're listening to this and you're new in your career, really what I'm driving at is, do you find like a greater sense of meaning in work than getting a paycheck? And one thing that's been particularly annoying to me as I've entered social media a little more and I've been like on Twitter and TikTok and things like that is a lot of people in my generation and the generation below me, Gen Z, Zoomers, if you will, uh, their attitude seems to be a lot of like, okay, your work is 
is really just run by greedy corporate elite. They don't care about you and you're there to make as much money as possible and leave at your earliest convenience. And while there are some fair points in that, I think you should be paid well for what you do. I think that you should um, not be taken advantage of at work. And certainly there are work atmospheres out there that do that. Look, if you're going to have to spend 40 hours of your waking like 40 of your waking hours every single week, week in and week out for the next, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on how old you are, um, you might as well make those hours count. That's kind of my philosophy is, yes, you need to make money, right? But if every decision that you make is just solely based off of how much money you can make and you make, let's say, 10% more, 20% more because you, you know, you job hop or you, you know, take a position and it's only for the paycheck. Like, I don't know. I feel like I just put a lot of value on the sense of like meaning and purpose and, and comfortability. And I have really, you know, I have a lot of fun at my job. So there's a lot of other factors other than money. Um, I do believe there is a pretty big argument for until you make a certain amount of money, money is pretty much the only thing that matters with a job. But I think that amount of money is much less than people would want to admit. Um, in fact, I think there's a lot of studies out there that say essentially if you if you have a family, if your family can keep the bill collectors out of your inbox and out of your voicemails, um, money after that doesn't really equal any more happiness. So if you're like flat broke and not making any money and in poverty, then yes, like picking a job for the money makes sense because you, ha- you have to start making a certain amount of money to be able to provide for your family uh, for the finances to not be stressful. But uh, quite frankly, a lot of people that I know that have finances as a stress is self-imposed. Uh, they're just not good at budgeting and they're not disciplined at all financially. And so that kind of brings me back to the conversation that I was having at dinner, which is, is work an integrated part of your life? And what I mean by that, and this is what I'm not sure how to articulate well, but we're doing this together as I look across the table at nobody. Um how you, you know, one of the things that we say on the podcast or we've said before is how you show up to practice is how you show up to the game. And so then I take that a little step further and go, well, you know, if you look at, if you look at, use the word game as a broad term and we look at work as a game because, you know, games have rules, they have objectives. And so, you know, I could look at work and say, well, this is a, this is a game. So there are rules, there's a set of rules um, that I have to abide by in my work. You know, even running a company, there's certain rules that I have to abide by, right? Everyone has a boss. Everyone has things that they have to do. And so um, that's a game. But then also, I am involved in a whole set of games because then I have a community group that I run. That's a whole different game with a whole different set of rules. And then I have my family, you know, and that's a whole different game and a whole different set of rules. And obviously, game is maybe not the best word for that, but uh, you know, you get you get the point, hopefully. Uh, maybe you don't get the point you're about to turn off the podcast, but maybe it gets better. Who knows? Um, you know, and then you have your friends and how you interact with their friends or your hobbies or, or fitness. And, and, you know, fitness is a, a set of games, you know, so you have this whole like set of things that you do. And so the question is, how do people, because this is what happens, show up to those different games as completely different players? So what I mean by that is this, I know some people that crush it at work, like their job, they're just like the all-star, they're always striving for the top, uh, they're doing the most, they're super motivated, they're super driven, they have a ton of discipline, 
But then they go and you look at another area in their life, whether that's their family or their friends or their community or their, you know, personal, like personal health. And they're a completely different player. Now, all of a sudden, they're not disciplined, right? Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're not setting goals. Now, all of a sudden, they're doing the minimum effort. Now, all of a sudden, they're always taking the easy way. And so the question that we kind of like came up with at dinner was, okay, if, if you go to work and you show up one way, whether that's you show up to do the bare minimum, you know, you, you don't have goals, you're not, you're not continuing to learn, you know, you're not continuing to grow, you're not pushing yourself. But then you show up with your family or you show up with a hobby and you're a completely different player in the game. So you're all of a sudden like pushing the limits. You're always doing the most. You're, you know, you're doing everything you can to win. You're setting these strong goals. The question is, which one of those two people are you? And this was an interesting question that we talked about at dinner is like, can you be two completely different players and, and, and how you show up to two different games? And so I started like looking into this. So for instance, you know, this, you just, you know, you have people in your life that you know that are just competitive and they're competitive. Maybe they're overly competitive. So they're not fun to play like pickup basketball with um, or golf or, you know, Frisbee golf or mountain biking or chess or whatever, because they're always out to win. They're always doing the most. They're always doing more research than you. They're always working a little harder. They're always pushing themselves a little harder. It's like, but they show up consistently And for some reason, I feel like a lot of people, they don't look at work this way. And one of the concerning things for me is, um, and maybe this isn't an accurate, maybe this is a limited view because of my age and who I surround myself with, but it seems to be that people in my age group and below show up very differently to work than they would like to at least posit that they show up to the rest of their life. And so... A question that I've had and that we I've talked about with some people is like, how long can you keep that like facade up? Like, who are you really? Are you the person that's lazy, that doesn't have goals or objectives or just is there to do the minimum and does what's easy and not what's right? Because that's how you show up at work. Or are you really the person that's after work doing your diving into your hobbies, like being the best friend that you can, being the best parent or spouse that you possibly can be? And how long can you keep up living these like two separate lives before the negative life bleeds into the positive life? And so this is really interesting for me because, you know, one of my like drivers, one of the big drivers and motivators in my life is, is like the fear of peaking. And we all know people like this, right? Where it's like, they talk about the good old days a little too much, right? Whether that was high school or college or you know, before kids or, you know, when the kids were small or when they had this job or when they were in this shape um, or when they were in this relationship or I was like, that is, that is the peak of my life and everything's downhill from there. Like, man, I would give anything to be 20 again. It's like, I wouldn't, right? Because I feel like that my best days are ahead. But one of the reasons why I think that is because I try to put a lot of pressure on myself to show up consistently to work to my relationships, to my hobbies, to my community, all in the same way. And that is, um, you know, giving it essentially everything that I can. So anyway, that goes back to the original uh, quote that I was talking about, which is people buy into the leader first, and then they buy into the vision. And so as I've been like processing this with kind of that conversation at, um, 
at that, you know, the conversation I had at dinner about like, can you live two different lifestyles and show up two different ways in two different areas of your life over decades and be one person or, or, you know, are you faking one and that's going to show out? Um, and the, the worry that I have is that the one you're faking is the one that you're not showing up to consistently, which is your hobbies or your relationships, because you're consistently showing up to work five days a week, 40 hours a week. Um, and, and so anyway, I, there's just some concerns with me there that how long can you fake being a different person uh, outside of work if work is what you're doing a majority of your waking hours the most consistently. Um, but one of the reasons why I think that buying into the leader first is so hard is because, you know, if you're trying to lead an organization or even a team or even a person or even yourself, and uh, just as a quick aside, because I don't have anyone to rein me in on my little um, tangents, if you're listening to this and you're not in leadership at all, like the first person you need to lead is yourself. You know, I think that that's a really, really overlooked, um, a really overlooked like aspect in life that that we don't do is like we're not good leaders of ourselves. And so, you know, regardless of where you're at, you're leading someone, and you're leading yourself, or you're being led by someone, uh, maybe not in a super great way. And so, anyway, that was a whole tangent, but. One of the the challenging challenging parts of getting people to buy into the leader first is like, well, what part of me and how I show up am I asking them to buy into? Right? If I show up very differently to this company than I do that company, or I show very I show up very differently at work than I do in my personal life or in my hobbies, it's like what version of me am I asking them to buy into? Because I think for someone to buy into, like if you think about someone you're really bought into from like a leadership perspective, and that could be your boss, that could be someone in your community or one of your friends or one of your family members. It's like one of the things that's a, that makes someone attractive to like buy into fully is because at least for me that they, I feel like they show up in an amazing, consistent way to everybody in their life. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think that that quote has been really challenging for me this past couple of weeks, because it's like, you know, I like to think that I do that. And maybe the first step of doing that well is being self-aware. And so like reflecting on that, it's like, man, sometimes I show up better to work than I show up to my family because sometimes I give everything I have at work. And then by the time I get off, my tank is empty. And I want to like watch Netflix, right? Like, and what's interesting and, and why I brought up that question at the beginning is like about, can you be two different people? I was like, imagine if I showed up to work and I showed up to work. I was like, Hey guys, you know, I, I really spent some good quality time with, like with my family and with my wife and my brain is very like tired because we did a lot of like planning and thinking and, and we just did a lot of like future planning and we we got our budget in line and we we you know came up with a plan for our finances and and I worked a lot on my you know spending habits and planned out the rest of the year and did all this stuff oh, but, but man I'm tired I gave it all my tank is empty um I'm going to I'm going to just chill I know that I had some meetings this morning that I'm supposed to do but instead I'm just going to like lay on the couch and scroll TikTok right like you would never do that at work and that would never fly at work and so why do we let it fly as leaders in other aspects of our life? Like, and that's been an interesting, challenging 
proposition for me because I definitely care more about my wife than I do my job. But because my job, and and so uh, this is another example of uh, verbally processing out loud to an empty room uh, while recorded. Um, So this is a little dangerous for me. I don't even know if I'll use this take. Maybe this is like a good uh, therapy session for me. But it's like, why, why, even though I know for a fact I care about my wife more than I care about my job, just to use this as an example. But sometimes... I will do not what's right, but what's easy with my wife. And that is, hey, we've had a really long day. Let's watch Netflix. When I know I would always enjoy having a conversation with her more. And I'm not saying that watching Netflix is bad. I'm not saying that having like an appropriate amount of time to like veg out together is bad. Um, In fact, you know, my wife and I have a rule where if we're going to watch Netflix, we watch it together. So that means you can't be on your phone, just like you can't be on your phone if you're doing like a dinner date because we're doing an activity together. Um, which I thought was silly at first, but now I do enjoy that. Um, But one of the biggest differences is that as work just won't put up with it. And that's a really interesting like thing to think about, which is like, um, you know, we did a a premarital counseling class one time uh, before we got married, premarital. And uh, one interesting thing that the counselor said was spouses will say, way worse things to each other than they would ever say to almost anyone else in their life over the course of a marriage. And the reason that the argument he made for this was because let's say that you have a friend and you have a wife. Your wife is more committed to stay with you long-term till death do you part for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, sickness and health and made that commitment in front of a room full of people and so you feel safer that you can push the boundaries because they're not going to go anywhere. Whereas a friend maybe has a very minimal commitment to you. It's definitely not till death do you part. It's not for richer, for poorer. It's not for better, for worse. And so you can push a friend too far much quicker uh, and then that friend can like exit your life. And so as humans, we have this natural tendency to like push boundaries where we know we're comfortable without um, those boundaries like breaking the structure. And so I think about that with work some. It's like, okay, well, at work, like work just wouldn't put up with with me just like not showing up for, you know, months or weeks. Who knows how long? Maybe I could get away with weeks. But most people, you know, maybe if you like doing – a lot of people, if you do one no-call, no-show, uh, it's, you just get fired, right? And it's like that's just the thing. But if – so if you imagine that you're like let's say somebody that's working in like a – I don't know, a factory job or something where like one no-call, no-show – you know, no excuse, you're fired. Um, but if you no call, no show on your family, and that could look like a lot of things that could look like, you know, canceling plans that you had with them that they were really excited about because you're too tired. Um, that could be, uh, not giving up your weekend, um, to be with your kids, um, that you promised them because you're tired or you're busy. Um, you can no call, no show on your family, probably a lot with with almost little to no repercussions immediately. And so that's not good, right? That's not something that you want. And and one of the reasons why I think John Maxwell posits that you have to buy people buy into the leader first is like no one wants to follow someone like that. You know, no one wants to follow someone that shows up to work in one way and then shows up to their family or their friends or their hobbies in a much worse way. Right? Because in my opinion, a winner is a winner. 
right? A, a competitor is a competitor. A good person is a good person. And it, and no matter what like game you put them in, no matter what circumstance you put them in, that's who they are. And I think a lot of times, a lot of people, they're different people depending on where you put them. And, and so for me, you know, I like to think that I'm pretty, I like to think that I'm pretty, how, what would you call it? Consistently the same person for better or for worse, um, in most situations that I'm in. But over the last couple of weeks, I've really been just reflecting on this quote and reflecting on, okay, am I really? Because now what's really fun about taking over this company is now I get new first impressions, it's like you don't get very many first impressions where you know it's going to turn into like a, a serious long-term like relationship in some form or fashion. So now I have a company that I got to make a first impression and probably I'm still on making first impressions, you know, depending on how uh, ambiguous you are with the, the definition of first impression. But I'm making first impressions with people that I may work with for a long time. And so anytime you get to do that, you get to really reflect on what you're doing well and what you're not doing well, where it's like, oh man, I was really hoping by the time I made another significant first impression with, with a company that I'm running, I would be farther along, right? It's like, it's holding up a mirror and you get to see that. And so, yeah, so, you know, I think one of the, the, the hard parts in leadership and the struggle in leadership is you're getting people to buy into you as a person. And before you can get people to buy into you as a person, you have to know who you are as a person. And a lot of times, a lot of people aren't leaders, they're positional authorities, they're bosses. And one of the main things that stops them from being a leader in someone's life is they're just not a leader in, like they're not showing up consistently in all aspects of their life they're showing up really well some days in some areas and really poorly a lot of days in a lot of areas and so there's a lot of pressure for leaders so if you're listening to this you're like coming along a processing journey with me of like man that's a tough place to be because that means that people are essentially always looking at you to give and be your best always do what's right never what's easy i mean every aspect of your life all the time with no breaks always giving credit to others, always taking the blame. And, you know, that can be like, you know, there's a saying like lonely is the crown, like that can be a lonely place to sit. And so I think that's why if you are going down a path of leadership, if you want to go down a path of leadership, you have to be able to count the cost and point towards something larger. You have to be able to point towards a larger purpose because, you know, sometimes people look, I was talking to um, someone last week and you know if you look at like the instagram version of my life or if you look at the 10 percent of my life that is really awesome like i'll I'll give you that like if you look at the 10 percent of the coolest parts of my life and you could look at any aspect you could look at my hobbies you could look at my job you could look at my relationships it's like man that's pretty awesome i'm really thankful and blessed and i'm and really really like grateful to be able to do some really cool things with some really cool people and um, have some have had some like pretty cool success and that's really fun and a lot of times people are are like attracted to that idea and they say well I want that and I want to be in leadership and I would like to run companies or I would like to um, you know lead people or or get people to buy into me but what they don't see is the ninety percent of work it takes to get to that ten percent and a lot of that work is either you know, mundane, uh, you know, repetitive 
Um, you know, being it's fun to say be like always have a student mindset. It's hard to act that out day in, day out, week in, week out, always like learning, always like studying, always reading, always feeling like you're stretching your capacity to like learn a new topic. And so, yeah, I guess part of this episode is for me to like just process this. But part of it is like if you're there, like just to encourage you, like, hey, you're not alone. And sometimes it feels like you're alone when you're when you're you're leading you're leading a company or you're leading people. And uh, one thing that that can lead to is that can lead to you taking things way, way more personally um, than they were intended. Because we've referenced before Ben Horowitz. He wrote a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. It's a really good book. Really helped me get through um, leading a company through COVID. It's all about the hard thing about uh, hard things. Uh, It's right in the title. Um, Spoiler alert. But one of the things that he talks about is you know, the higher up you get in a company, the more you care than anyone else. And he even like gives an example of like, he had to do layoffs. It's like, you know, you're laying off someone that's early in their career. This was a job to them. This was a nine to five job. They're an entry level, you know, person. They've been there a year. Yeah, getting laid off sucks. But likely it was hard. It's harder and sucks more for the person that had to do it because it is, the company is like their life if they're at that level right? It's like their child, some people call it. And they take things way more seriously and they take things way more personally than the people um, that are maybe newer to the company or of less responsibility, um, as they should. Um, but that can be really, really tough uh, when, you're, when you're in a leadership position. So, um, you know, the encouraging thing from this podcast would be once you get people to buy into the leader, once you get people to buy into you, the rest is easy. Right. When people are bought into you, the rest is is like so easy, like visions are like being a visionary is great. Like being able to give a good vision is great, but it's also mostly a dime a dozen. Right. And that's made super evident if you ever want to know by just going to like a startup pitch presentation. There are so many people that will get up on that stage and just come up with a great idea, with a great solution to a real problem and, uh, you know, 95 out of 100 of those people, uh, that will be the last thing that they ever do with that because they're not going to go any further, right? The, the world needs visionaries, but it is not, there is no shortage of them. Maybe it's a better way to say that. What there's a shortage of is people with a vision that have that first piece, which is they have people bought into them as a leader first. And, and that's the hard piece, right? And so um, one really great thing, man, that I'm just really encouraged by is, is, is the team, this new company that I'm working with, the team is great and they're buying in and a lot of things are happening. We're getting some quick wins. We're, we're, you know, it's only been 13 days. So it's hard to say like that it's going great from a, a like procedural standpoint and a, a number standpoint, but man, the progress that we've made has been fantastic. And that's all because one, I have a really great team with me that is helping. Um, two, I have a really great team at 97 that is able to kind of uh, help in my absence while I'm spending uh, a crazy amount of time working with this new company, learning a ton. Um, But also, you know, people want to buy into leaders that are stronger than they are. Like that's our natural thing as we look, you know, we look for the strongest leader in the room and, and then we latch on and we get behind them and then we get behind their vision. And I really think there's some cool stuff going on at Critical Impact that I'm excited about. And, you know, a lot of that, one is made possible 
by my team and two is made possible by like my experiences. And a lot of those experiences are the boring experiences of being alone in a room and reading a book over and over or watching videos or reading, um, you know, strategies or working on public speaking like we talked about recently or working on even like this podcast or my friendships where it's like a lot of things have gone on behind the scenes for the last, I don't know, five five, six years at least, um, that have led to this really positive transition. So there's a lot of good things to say, and I want this episode to be like encouraging to people um, that are coming into leadership, but also just kind of like a reflection of, hey, man, if you're listening to this and you're in leadership or you're trying to get into leadership and you're frustrated or you feel lonely or you feel like you're not enough or you have imp- you're struggling with imposter syndrome, like just know that's all of us. Like that's just a natural thing that happens. And I read it somewhere. Uh, one theme that great CEOs all have, uh, this guy interviewed a bunch of CEOs and said, okay, I'm gonna interview the best CEOs in the world. And one like common thread that he found was one of the best advice they said about how they got to where they were is that they just didn't give up, right? So the statement they didn't give up means that they all went through times where they felt like giving up, right? Or they felt like it was tough and it would have been easier to give up. Um, And so I just wanted to come on because, you know, one of the themes that, you know, runs true is is lonely at the top. And now I'm in my room by myself. I don't have a co-host. So that makes me um, think of loneliness, right? Because I really enjoy doing this. Um, Part of doing a podcast that I'm really excited about is just keeping a good network. Tim's someone that's been in my network forever. So I'll, I'll be glad for him to be back recording with me. But um, for people listening, yeah, like it's definitely worth it. And there's a lot of fun things that have happened and a lot of fun things that are happening. And that 10% is fantastic. And it makes the 90% like well worth it. But what I want you to do is make sure that you're not showing up to work in a great way and showing up to the rest of your life in a really terrible way or vice versa. Um, what you need to do is really look at yourself and go, who am I? And how do I show up? Right? And it's like, if you can answer that, and it is the same answer whether you're at work, whether it's a Monday or a Friday, whether it's the beginning of the quarter or the end of the year, whether it's um, at a at church or whether it's at a friend with a friend group or with your family or with your kids or you know wherever you're at, if you can answer honestly and the same the answer is the same every time of this is who you are, these are your characteristics, these are your values, uh, this is who you are, um, this is what you stand for, this is what you will do, what you won't do. Um, this is your work ethic. This is your um, student mentality. This is how you give credit or take credit. This is how you give blame or take blame. And that's consistent through all aspects of your life. Um, that's going to put you on a path to get people to buy into you much faster. And even if those answers aren't all great, what you may do is you may do an exercise and go, okay, cool. I'm really good at giving credit and taking blame with my friend group, but I'm terrible at work. Right. So what you need to do is decide, well, who are you? Right. Are you someone that's good at giving credit and taking blame? Or are you someone that's really bad at it? And if you come to the answer, well, I'm someone that's really bad at it. Well, it's like, great. Now you know that you can work on it. Right. And you can ask for accountability. You can be open and honest with the right circles. You can get people to hold you accountable or even start to call you out on that. And I think that's a really, really good place to start is just asking the question like, well, who am I? Right, not who am I at work, not who am I with these people, not who am I in this situation, not who am I 
if I've had my coffee or before I've had my coffee, right? Who am I when I drink or not drink or whatever? It's like, who am I and how do I be the best version of that person all the time? Right. And you may say, well, I need to not drink as much or I may need to eat healthier because, you know, for me, I feel much better if I drink a lot, you know, if I drink water and you have to drink a lot of water. Like that's a whole nother tangent. Like a healthy person needs to drink a lot of water. And if you drink a gallon of water a day, you're going to feel significantly better than if you don't. And I always feel better when I do. So it's like, well, why don't I do that every day? And I think one of the reasons is because. I'm not putting in my mind like this is my best shot at being the best version of myself in every every game I'm going to play today. Like every arena that I show up in, the best chance for me to be my best self is if I'm fully hydrated. Like that is one factor and a multi-factored equation of like how I'm going to show up, right? So it's like, okay, cool. Well, if I look at it that way, then there's no excuse to not always like be hydrated because water is free, right? And I'm not above drinking out of the tap. Um, and so- yeah, if I were if I were you, if you are still listening forty minutes in uh, to me, um, I would say start with that question. Figure out who you are, not just who you are in a certain area and where you can progress. And remember, people buy into the leader first and then the vision, not the other way around. So before you can get people to buy into your vision, you want them to be able to buy into you as a leader. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed talking for 40 minutes uh, in an empty room. This is probably one of the only times I've ever done that. Um, So that was fun. Stay tuned for next week as we will have a special guest that I'm very excited to bring to you guys and maybe even the next week while we wish Tim a happy trip to St. Lucia. All right, until next time, guys. Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. It's the Bros Before CEOs podcast. Bro, I'm not your bro, bro. If for 10 years, if you didn't avoid doing what you knew you needed to do. I think people can choose to be not ordinary. You're not everything you could be, and you know it. Bro, take it easy, okay?